Welcome to Snapshots and Second Acts. I'm Avina Adujan. You can learn a lot about a person by the photos they take and the ones they choose to share with others. Each episode showcases the personal snapshots and stories behind my guests' pivot into their second acts. My guest today is Deanna Manson. Her love for music set her off on a path that has taken her from small-town Ontario to destinations around the globe. Uh, Deanna, can you tell me about yourself? For sure. Uh, I was in the military for 28 years. Uh, and then for the past three years and a bit, I've been working for the United Nations and I'm about to embark on another career change. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, outside of work, uh, I'm a musician. I play the classical bass violin and that uh, influenced a little bit how I chose my career path back in uh, high school when I joined the military. Um, and it's something that I keep up on the side. Uh, so that's, that's something that I do. Um, yeah. Classical yeah. bass violin. I love that. So I'd love to hear how playing that instrument kind of informed your career, because I think that's actually quite fascinating, considering that you didn't, you're not a professional musician, let's say, right? Mm -hmm, exactly. That wasn't the uh, the crux of your career, so. No, and I, I had started playing quite late, so I didn't start playing an instrument until grade nine in high school. Okay. But I had some amazing opportunities in high school. I was a member of an international youth orchestra Went away a couple of summers uh, when I was 16, 17. I spent one summer in New York City and another summer in Detroit playing with this youth orchestra. And I got the idea that I would become a professional, that I would pursue music in university. Um, but by the time I got to grade 13, I started to get cold feet, grade 13 in Ontario back in those days. I had um, applied to a few schools for music, had some auditions scheduled. And then I realized, gee, am I actually going to be able to make a living doing this? Mm -hmm. And military college kind of came onto my horizon. Royal Military College was just down the road in Kingston. And I thought about going there. But first of all, I went to the recruiting center to inquire about becoming a musician in the military. Okay. And when I had gone in to talk to them, they looked at my marks, I guess, and, and whatnot and said, hey, never mind being a musician in the military. How about going to military college and pursuing a career in something else? So that's how I ended up joining the military. That's amazing. But clearly you never abandoned. I'm like stuck on this music thing. So I, think it's, <laughs> I think that's really cool. Uh, and so you continue to play today. Yeah, uh, I, I played through university, you know, stage band and whatnot. And then when I left school, anywhere I've been posted, anywhere that I've lived across Canada and, and even in New York uh, after my military career, I've always been a member of community orchestras. So very amateur orchestras filled with people who are lawyers and doctors and do many other things, but get together once a week to rehearse and do concerts every now and again. And, and that's been true for here in Calgary. I'm a member of the Calgary Civic Symphony, and as well, I play in the Pitt Orchestra for Community Theatre Group, wow. Center Center Players. Yeah. So I've been able to keep it up all these years. That's so awesome. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. And so the focus for your military career, what did you end up kind of focusing on? It's talking to someone who's not familiar with yeah. you know, military as a career. It, it's a, a great question and a funny story, because when I joined the military, they told me that I was going to be a logistics officer. 
Okay. And I joined uh, as an Air Force person, but in all honesty, I did not know what logistics meant. It took me many years to to figure that out. And I've been a logistician throughout my adult life in various jobs in the two major careers that I pursued. But back then I didn't know what it was. Mm. So I ended up doing all of my training and specialized in transportation and movements. And then I began to figure out that logistics is all about what we know today as supply chain. So I I was specializing in trucks and moving things and people and uh, and later on in uh, air movements and movement control, which is another specialty within that area where you kind of control and coordinate and plan for the movement of people and stuff. And so uh, I'm going to guess that your military career took you places outside of Canada. Mm -hmm, It did. Yeah. Yeah. I spent four months in Kuwait in 1998. I'm really dating myself now. That was part of the no-fly zone operation in that area at the time. And uh, later on, I did more disaster response uh, sort of operations. So went to Honduras after Hurricane Mitch hit. I was there for a couple of months. And then after the earthquake in Haiti, I ran the staging base on the Dominican Republic side of the border for four months moving supplies in and out for the troops in Port-au-Prince. Wow. Yeah, all of my deployments were really short notice. Okay. I didn't have, you know, months of training leading up. I was basically told one day, pack your bags, and the next day I was gone. So that certainly had an impact on personal life Mm -hmm. and, and relationship and all of that kind of stuff. So a certain amount of instability, but... Right. Uh, Very rewarding work, especially on the disaster response side of things going to help people. Yeah. And so that kind of picking up and moving around, you mentioned the impact on the personal life and and, and all of that. Um, Does that kind of fit your personality, do you think? Mm, Yeah. I mean, that sense of adventure, the experience of going overseas, the experience of moving all around Canada has been great. And for sure, it's, it's part of Uh, what drives me or did drive me, you know, in my younger days. I'm originally from Cornwall, Ontario, a very small town. And my childhood, my teenage years, I I just really wanted to get out of there. Mm -hmm. So the military afforded me that sense of adventure and being able to see other things. Right. I'm sure that we'll come back and touch upon your military career. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm going to move into your first photo that you sent. Mm. Mm -hmm. which is of your wedding day back in 2015. Yeah. So I know it's like the cheesiest question, but can you kind of describe that day? It is hard to describe for me um, because it was magical. It was just, I don't know how to explain it, but maybe it would be easier for me to explain if I backed up a little bit and explained how we met. Sure. Because uh, April and I met doing community theater in Yellowknife. We were in a production of Les Miserables, Uh, April was playing Fontaine and I was chorus member number 45, as I always say, (laughs) but we didn't start dating during the production. It wasn't until afterwards, but even before we started dating, I said to uh, anyone who would uh, listen, my self-proclamation that that was the woman I was going to marry. So uh, the wedding day the next year was on stage at the theater where we had originally done Les Mis. Mm -hmm. But this year it was during the production of Mary Poppins. Okay. So we had the Sunday matinee and then uh, we cleared everything out and had the wedding on stage. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
So it was really neat to have met and married later in life was uh, a surprise, I think. And the day itself, uh, magical. Yeah, I get back to that word. Oh, that's so, so cool. So it seemed like uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened fairly quickly in succession, right? You met and then you were married. And you mentioned getting married later in life because it seemed to be around that same time that potentially you were contemplating retiring from the military. Mm-hmm. And then not only did you retire from the military, then you ended up moving yes. <laughs> to a new city. Uh, had you been to Calgary before? Uh, just for visits. Okay. Very briefly. Never an extended period of time. So the, the city was a little bit foreign to me, but uh, April's work brought us here. Yeah. So that's how we ended up here. But you're right. It was a lot all at once. We were married in 2015. By 2016, uh, I was wondering where the military would take me next. Mm -hmm. And that year, I did get a call telling me that I was promoted to full colonel. Oh, wow. And the call came really late in the year. I got it in August. And normally, you would be advised months before uh, the summer that this was going to happen. But apparently, it came as a surprise and I thought about it for a couple of days and turned down the promotion Oh, uh, because they wanted me to move to Ottawa within two weeks to take a job that wasn't necessarily an attractive one. Okay. And I said, you know what? I'm thinking about getting out anyway. I don't want to be away from my partner. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was when really the decision was firmly made that I would get out the next year. Okay. So, yeah. And so how did you feel about that? Amazingly, getting out of the military was not an emotional thing for me. It wasn't a difficult decision. Mm-hmm. I had had a great career. I had seen so many great places. I had loved Yellowknife and thought, hey, you know what? Why don't we finish in this place? And with the most recent experience that I had had there, it's a good time to just call it. Right. So, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't difficult. The move to Calgary in 2017 was a little bit more nerve wracking only because I didn't have a job to go to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I had started job hunting probably six months before releasing from the military and and making the move to Calgary. But, you know, the Calgary economy is pretty tough. You know, it comes and goes. So I worked pretty hard at job applications and uh, applying to various logistics oriented positions in the city Okay, and did some interviews, but nothing came to fruition that uh, almost a year, actually a little more than a year in Calgary, I was out of work. I did some other things though. I became a board member for the military family resource center here in Calgary. I played a lot of music. Yeah. I did a lot of pit orchestra with this community theater group, did some great shows, kept busy doing some volunteer work here, there, and everywhere. So it wasn't a bad year. Uh, It was a little frustrating job hunting, but overall, maybe it was a good reset from my military career that had been so busy and and tiring. Right, right. What is your most, I guess, salient memory from that year? I think for me, my favorite memory is all of the music I was able to play. Maybe if I had been working nine to five, it would have been much more difficult. Mm -hmm. But with my schedule, the way it was, I was able to go to the theater, you know, 5.30, six o'clock and do the show and come home and rest the next morning kind of thing. So I guess I was able to do some things that would normally have been more difficult if I was working. 
that's probably my favorite memory from that time. Fantastic. This is actually a really good time now to segue into that second photo, uh -huh. which is you on your first day of work at the United Nations headquarters in New York City. So we're, go we're going from you in Calgary, where it's been a challenge trying to find work, but you've had the amazing opportunity to immerse yourself in music, to standing in New York City. And so I'd love to know how that happened. Uh, yeah, such a great, such a great day. And I, I look at that photo and, and I feel the pride and the love for, you know, walking into that building to do good. The transition to the UN was a bit prolonged. I had applied in June 2017. I had gotten a call almost right away from the hiring manager because uh, he saw the resume and the job was for pure movement control roles and responsibilities. And I had had so much experience in that area in the military that I got a call right away as soon as they saw my resume. They said they were very interested and was I serious and all of those things. And I was, but in 2017, we weren't sure. We were just moving to Calgary for April's work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, would a job with the United Nations really be the right thing for us? We weren't sure, but it turned out that the application process, the uh, recruiting, uh, the onboarding took well over 15 months. Oh, wow. So do I have that right? Just over 15 months. So by the time the offer came, April's work was kind of winding down in Calgary. The company had been sold and uh, she was a little bit uncertain about her future. So we suddenly realized that we could go off to New York together to do a dream job for me. Yeah. And so, and just by way of a background, I had been interested in working for the United Nations throughout my adult life. I often scanned the job postings, you know, came to understand that you could work for the UN as a military person, but you could also work for the UN as a civilian person. Mm -hmm. So I was often scanning the job postings and in the military, I was petitioning to go on a UN mission or to be posted to New York um, as staff there. And it just never came to fruition. It was, it was never the right time. I was being promoted and, and therefore I couldn't go at that time or moving or, or whatever it was. It was never the right time. Right. While I was in Yellowknife a couple of twice, actually, I got a call saying, hey, would you be interested in doing a six month stint at the UN headquarters in New York? And I said yes right away, but then <laughs> didn't end up getting selected to go. So it was it was kind of all of these things that occurred. And when the job posting came up in June 2017, I thought, wow, this one's perfectly suited for me. Let's apply and see what happens. And uh, yeah. My boss at the time discouraged me. He said I was crazy for applying. He said, you're, you're on your way to Calgary for April's career. Why would you think of applying for a job in New York City? And I, I mean, I took his advice, but not to heart. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I said, no, you know what, I'm just going to do this. I want to see where it leads. And, um, and I did. That's amazing. Yeah, that was one of the things I was going to ask was, you know, whether the UN was kind of always on your radar, or was it a, an opportunity that just kind of sprung up, but it sort of sounds like both mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that, you know, you had potentially a previous opportunity to do it that didn't pan out. But also just the timing of everything in your life. Mm -hmm. Like just imagining if you hadn't applied back yeah. in 2017, given how long it took to get through that process. Yeah, yeah. And everything that occurred in the meantime. 
Yeah, like just almost serendipity, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so, so cool. So how much time did you end up spending in New York City? We were there from August 2018. April joined me in October 2018. She just had some stuff to finish up uh, in her workplace. And we were there until COVID hit. Mm. And of course, COVID in New York City in those early days was was something else. Yeah. So that was March 2020. And by July or August, we decided to come back to Calgary. Okay. Because we were working from home anyway. Let's just make the move, bring the animals and everybody back to Calgary and then see what the next step is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the next step was uh, pretty epic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. So I was appointed to my current position in Entebbe, Uganda in January 2021 and couldn't travel to Uganda in those early months. They were in lockdown and very restrictive COVID measures that were in place there. So I didn't end up actually traveling until September 2021, but I've I've been there ever since. I've I've, uh, just completed six months and I'm home in Calgary right now just for a couple of weeks of vacation. I'll go back and uh, yeah, continue on there until the next, next thing. (laughs) <laughs> which awesome yeah which may also be a, a big change that's coming up so I'm interested to hear about um your time in Uganda um and so I had asked that question before like a salient memory from that year when you were in Calgary so what's been I guess your favorite memory or favorite incident in your time in Uganda yeah the the job there is interesting because I'm still doing essentially the same work that I was in New York and my boss and the rest of the team are back in New York. So I'm I'm sitting in Entebbe and kind of trying to work nine to five in uh, Entebbe hours and then having to respond after hours to New York meetings and whatnot. But the most amazing thing about being in the office in Entebbe is the people, the the group of folks there. There's about 14 of us total. There are national staff that are uh, national Ugandans. There are a bunch of people, all of us uh, from all over the place. And the, the group there is just amazing. When I came in, I was welcomed with open arms and everyone said, hey, you're here. Can we work with you? It sounds interesting what you're doing kind of stuff. And Oh, that's awesome. So we did a, yeah, we did a little bit of reorganization and some of the team there started working very closely with me on um, moving passengers is, is what we do. We move uh, soldiers and police personnel in and out of the peacekeeping missions. Okay. So we're moving thousands and thousands of people every week and we manage chartered aircraft to do that. Uh, it's really, really neat work. And so there's about four or five of us now in the office in Entebbe that are focused on that. So that's been, I guess, the most rewarding thing uh, work-wise. Mm-hmm. The country's beautiful. Uh, I had, again, always wanted to work in Africa. My whole uh, military career, again, you know, uh, selected a couple of times to deploy to various parts of Africa, and then it just never worked out. So here was my chance to go, and I really wanted to do it. So so there I went. That's awesome. And so you've been there six months. Um, how long is the total deployment? Is that how it kind of works in different blocks of time, or is it kind of an indefinite thing? Yeah, it's it's blocks of time because it's a temporary appointment um, against a position in that location. Okay. So my appointment goes until the end of June. 
But the reality of the situation is that I may be leaving sooner. Uh, and this is this is a transition that is is really difficult for me, but I have a, a potential job opportunity back in Calgary. So I'm about to make a big decision. And unlike my time in the military and, and releasing from the military, this one's a really much more difficult decision because I love working for the UN so much. Mm-hmm. And it is something, you know, in an altruistic way, it's something that I'm quite proud of. And leaving the UN is difficult, but by the same token, family are back in Calgary and partner is here with our collection of furry animals. And really, there's no, how do I say this? April is, is in a new career and she is doing very, very well. So she wouldn't join, wouldn't be able to join me in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And us both going back to New York is really not in the cards given her work. So this is my opportunity to be at home again. Right. So that's, uh, that's the next step that's in, in the offing. Okay. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that one of the things that as I was prepping everything that I kind of noticed, and even here in what you're telling me, so you had a lot of things that just seem to line up. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to ask if you ever had moments where you've felt stuck, you know, where it was not necessarily challenging to make a decision, but, but in some ways, yes, where it's just like, I, I really want this to kind of move forward. Mm-hmm. In those types of moments, what did you do to move past that? I would say that there were times in my military career, certainly, where that happened. And uh, my military career was a little bit funny in that I didn't have a mentor that was looking after me. I was kind of on my own um, navigating my my postings and my professional development opportunities. Okay. So in the times that I got stuck, I wondered about getting out. And this occurred many times over the course of my career. I wondered about taking the step to um, to become a civilian and, and to look for other work. But I always just hung on a little bit longer and waited to see what the next thing was that would come to me. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, even when I suspected or, or feared that it wasn't going to be a good step for me, that it ended up to be very, very fruitful and rewarding. So okay. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I had been selected to go to staff college in Toronto. I was promoted to lieutenant colonel and there were excellent job opportunities that were coming up for my posting out of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And these included uh, the opportunity to become a commanding officer on one of the three major bases in the Air Force. But because I was single at the time, I did not get the opportunity to go to someplace like Trenton or Greenwood, which were more popular postings. Because I was single, I was chosen to go to Cold Lake, Alberta, which is a good three hours north of Edmonton. Right. And um, I was teased a lot for being chosen to go to Cold Lake um, because it was not an enviable posting. And I felt a bit maligned. I didn't feel that my marital status should dictate where I'm posted. Right. But uh, but it did, and off I went. And that posting turned out to be amazing. Ah. I uh, 
it's a wonderful place for fishing. I got back into fishing, which I love to do. And um, the job itself was was very rewarding. I learned so much. And my posting to Cold Lake actually led to my posting to Yellowknife. Amazing. Just because of some of the people that I met who had been up there. And because I had taken this unenviable posting to Cold Lake, I had some, uh, what do you call it? I had some leverage Mm-hmm. with the powers that be when I wanted to go to Yellowknife they said okay you went to Cold Lake when you really didn't want to so you can go to Yellowknife now because that's where you want to go that's amazing it's kind of like jokes on you yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so what would you tell people then who feel stuck like they want to make a change and they just can't or they feel like I just can't get that traction that movement yeah. Um, should I go into one of my theories at this point? Yeah. Yeah. You did, it was great because you actually gave me two, which I <laughs> love. So, so I'll let you pick which one you want to address first, and then we'll go back and hit the other one. Okay. So one of my favorite theories is, well, it's basically a destiny theory, which, you know, those with more pragmatic or scientific minds don't agree with me that, uh, that destiny is a thing. But basically, my theory is that you choose your path, you certainly are in the driver's seat when it comes to your career and other aspects of your life. But there are forks in the road that present themselves. And sometimes there are external factors that might push you towards one fork or the other when you really didn't expect it. So I talk about this posting to Cold Lake Maybe it wasn't my choice necessarily. I knew that I wanted this opportunity, but in terms of location, external factors led me to the fork in the road that took me to Cold Lake, but that turned out to be a great thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess, yeah, if, if I were to offer advice to somebody who was stuck, I would say, look for those forks in the road and pick one, but also go with those influences that leads you down one or the other, because you just never know what's going to happen. Interesting. Okay, so I have a question around that. So do you have, given those kind of forks in the road, and, and you may or may not, but I'm curious, do you ever have any regrets? And maybe regrets isn't quite the right word. That's sort of like, I'm down this path and it's not exactly where I want to be. And I, I know I have to kind of trust that it'll get me there. But what if I'd taken that other one? <laughs> mm, that's true. I could say that about the initial decision to join the military. Mm. Um, I think back often to um, whether I could have been successful in music somehow. Military life was hard. Military college was hard. I regretted it, I think, in those early weeks and months mm-hmm. and years. But then I just, for whatever reason, I stuck with it. And I thought, gee, maybe I'll just get out after I pay back my time, which is how the contracts worked. Right. You, you did school and then you paid back five years. And I thought, okay, I'll get out after nine years. And I didn't. I kept going because it was interesting and fun. Uh, my next contract was at the 20 year mark. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hit 20 years. Shall I get out? Uh, And I didn't, I kept going because it was still fun. But certainly, you know, sometimes in those early moments of heading down the one path, you you still don't know, right? You still don't know if it's the right decision. And now, as I embark on a big decision to leave the UN and to start a new job, again, I'm choosing a path. And it's scary. It is scary, for sure. 
So I, I get it. I get the fear. I get, I get the trepidation, but I stand by my theory. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I wasn't going to try to change your mind on it. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually had a second piece of advice. And so this one, I'm just going to read out loud quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a pie theory that our lives are divided into parts, work life, social life, family and partners, and extracurricular activities. These parts may not all be fulfilled at any one time, but you need some to be at least partially fulfilled to maintain your happiness and mental health. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to dive a bit more into that. Yeah. So that's all about location, location, location. You know, right now I'm separated from my partner and my family. Work is fulfilling, but in Uganda, I don't have any of my extracurricular activities. I don't have any music or any fishing, that sort of thing. You know, there's there's limitations there. So my pieces, the pieces of my pie in those areas are depleted. And I need a little more in those pieces to really sustain myself. Mm -hmm. Coming back to Calgary, obviously reunited with family and partner, back to music, back to camping, back to all of these, these other things, those enrichments will then fulfill me better. Right. So work wise may be difficult at first and leaving the UN may be difficult. I may not have fulfillment in that work piece of the pie, but then the other ones will be fulfilled better, you know? So if you're depleted in two or three of those areas, it's hard. It's hard to maintain your overall morale and your mental health for that matter. But if you have most or all of those pieces of pie at least partially filled, you're probably doing pretty good. You can view my guest snapshots at the show's website, snapshotsandsecondacts.com. I'm eager to chat with people whose decision to embark on a second act has taken them to places they could have only previously imagined. Do you have your own story to share? Let me know at snapshotsandsecondacts.com. Theme music for the show was provided by The Permanent Residence. Thanks for listening.